Beginning the sitting, if you find it helpful, by bringing your attention to hearing. Hearing the different pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral sounds appearing and disappearing by themselves, just as they are, without having to do anything with them, but notice them experience them. Some people find it helpful to anchor the attention with hearing. Other people find it helpful to anchor the attention by experiencing the the movement of the breath as carefully and tenderly as they can. It's possible to have a relationship to the movement of the breath as you would to a newborn calf or just a newborn. Treating it as if it's your first breath or your last. learning to let this movement of the breath appear and disappear just as it is without having to do anything with it 
but notice it and experience it as fully as you can. Over time, as your attention starts to feel more anchored in the present moment, more relaxed, the attention might feel more steady or calm, less distracted. At times, letting the attention just go with your moment-to-moment experience. Let it just flow with whatever is predominant. Letting the attention go to physical sensations, mental states, moods, emotions, And again, whether they're pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, seeing if you can let them appear and disappear, just as they are. And just as you'd notice a cloud pass through a vast sky, noticing how these experiences begin how they change, how they end. (coughs) And even though thoughts are appearing and disappearing so quickly. It's possible to have a relationship with them as you would with sound or with the movement of the breath. There's nothing that you have to do with thinking. But notice the thoughts. Notice them appearing and disappearing just as they are. So seeing if you can find that place of settling back, relaxing, but having that careful alertness combined with a caring tenderness, treating each moment like it has a voice, like it's a song, your life that you're listening to as it's flowing by, moment by moment, newborn, amazing, 
And when you notice that your attention gets lost in the content or storyline of thinking, remembering to just make a generic soft mental note of thinking or a more specific note if you find it helpful. And finding that spirit of starting again and starting again and starting again, newborn, fresh, alive. There's two announcements, uh, Joseph's interviews today. Um, some of them will be scheduled for this afternoon. So if you have an interview with Joseph today, please check his list. Because I think his early morning ones are still going to stay the same, but uh, later in the morning they'll switch to the afternoon. Uh, we have a teacher meeting every Tuesday night, and you'll notice that there are some announcements on Wednesday mornings uh, from from us meeting. And last night we went, we were discussing just how, in a community like this, there's a kind of adjustment a period period that happens. And we'd just like to encourage you to be aware of if, say, you're kind of slamming doors or. Uh, <laughs> just how your energy is affecting the whole group. Uh, so sometimes it's hard to remember that some people get sensitive. Uh, and since we're living in a community, just in that spirit of consideration, that, that you just notice how, however your energy is affecting the whole group. For some people, this is an irrelevant message. <laughs> you know, but for some people... It's just a reminder. You'll hear us remind you every once in a while to just just remember to take as much care as you can in how you're in between areas, in between walking and sitting, in between, you know, when one goes into one's uh, living area, when one goes into the dining room. Uh, just, just to bring care into how... Um, one's energy is affecting everything. It's, it's just in the spirit of consideration. Do you have any questions this morning about metta or vipassana, sitting, walking? You don't have to do anything with what's happening, but notice. Notice is a lot.
Harsh. One of the interesting things about noting is that it's a, an instant feedback in terms of our mind state, usually. So uh, if you notice the way one says thinking, thinking, and it's like you use a baseball bat and knock it you know, out to Pluto, that thought, it's a pretty clear feedback system that there's aversion happening, or it would be soft. You know, if you say, uh, say you're judging, you know, if, you, if there's that quality of contraction and identification, they'll be judging, you know, uh, hurrying, uh, thinking, you know, I hate this, you know, it's just like, it's, it's very harsh. Uh, sometimes the noting is really helpful just in that way, that it, it, it mirrors our mental state, our, uh, even if we're not aware of it. I think at that point, when you notice that, that it's hard, it's really important to try to... It's like um, if you think of a radio, turning the volume down and try to whisper, even if you, for a few minutes, just whispered some of the notes, not out loud, but just in the mind, to practice. Uh, again, if, if you had um, a newborn child and you were you you were holding a newborn child you wouldn't you wouldn't have that relationship of harshness and, and it, it's a mat, it's an art it's not like you learn how to do that this way but but say you you treated your experience like you did holding a newborn child you would never never go you know thinking or you know it, it's like uh, you wouldn't throw the baby out uh, it, it just—it's—it's it's so interesting how cruel we are to ourselves. Uh, that and that—that that noting system really mirrors it. And any way that you can bring a meta, when you notice the harshness, I think it really help. It's helpful to try to whisper or do a little meta um, or drop the noting for a while. Uh, you can't necessarily make softening happen, but you can just in the quality of turning the volume down or whispering uh, or just dropping it. Or like listening. The rain is a wonderful place to notice softening. Uh, one of the descriptions of metta is it's like a very soft rain. And if you get into the quality or the texture of the, this, it, there's a very warm, soft rain happening now. The, again, that's a way in which we can relate to our experience. That's metta. It's soft. It's um, warm. It's, it's not that you can <laughs> necessarily switch to it, but it's great that you're even noticing it. You know, I remember in the first years of my practice, I was so gross with the noting, and it was like I was yanking my mind all over the place, and it was violent. Uh, And I couldn't switch it necessarily all the time to that (laughs) soft rain, but that it was very important to start noticing that. Over time, it'll change. 
be careful of judging <laughs> that. You know, you can really get in a real uh, knot if you start feeling like uh, you start trying to clamp down on the judging and the harshness. Try to try to be patient. The, the patience with this is really important. It's okay when you notice yourself being harsh or violent. Just it's okay. Start again. Shampoos and, and moisturizers mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. if there's fragrance in mm-hmm. So I just thought I might mention right. it. Okay. Um, did everyone hear? Okay. Um, having been born with uh, tremendous allergies <laughs> and they haven't changed for 43 years, they haven't gotten stronger, they haven't gotten weaker, I have a, a understanding of this. Sometimes when one doesn't have an allergy, uh, it's hard to understand how um, hard it is for people that are very sensitive to scent. Uh, and I, from my experience, having been very alone as a child with allergies, there's a growing number of people that have them. Um, it's amazing. You know, ten years ago here, I don't think I remember anyone mentioning you know, the difficulty with scent. So there's some change happening for human beings on this planet where there seems to be a growing number of people that are very sensitive to, to chemicals, I think, mostly, but it's strong scents. So if you do have any products that have strong scent, um, it's really hard. I had a person at a retreat in Washington this year that it was like so bad she had to wear a mask, uh, you know, really <laughs> like an oxygen tank in the in the hall uh, because of scent. Like it was killing her. Um, and and some sometimes it's really hard if you have a body that doesn't have that kind of um, sensitivity. It's hard to understand what that could be like. So I'd just like to ask you that if you do have any scented products, that the, the office is really happy to... I think there's plenty of them here, actually, that the office has ordered some, or we can get, get you some, and to um, try to understand. You know, it's, it is a strange situation happening. I know that for some people, developing them in their later life is is very surprising, uh, but that's that's what's happening. Sometimes I think we should create a scent-free zone <laughs> somewhere in the hall, but it it's not that. It it kind of goes everywhere.
Any other questions this morning? Well, I'll say something else about the products of the scent. Uh, the other side to the scent thing is that it's really easy to get identified with anything. So I know there's a certain conditioner for my hair that I, <laughs> I really like the scent of it. Uh, and it's, it's a scent that I'm not allergic to and it's hard for me to find them. But it's a strong scent. And it, it's really hard for me to let that go. You know, it's like... I like being able to smell that way. Uh, And and it's just interesting how we can get an identity around a smell. And and, and I find it difficult at times to let that stuff go. You know, it's like there's also a a scent like vanilla. Vanilla is something I'm not allergic to, and I have a cream that smells like that. And again, it's very strong. And I don't know. I don't know if it's a scent that would bother somebody or not, but I have an, I, I, it's, the more I use it, it's like I can watch that identification with it, that that's um, something I get attached to. So it's, it's an interesting place to look if, if it is something difficult for you. For some people it is difficult to let it go, and there's nothing wrong with that. I wouldn't judge yourself for that. But see if you can um, be interested in it because it's it's fascinating to me how there's so few of them that I can use. You know, it's like down to one or two uh, that that have a scent, and I can watch that that my mind clutch around that 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 uh, that it's hard to let it go. We can get identified with anything. It's <laughs> And to, you know, and to have some humor with it, because it's funny, you know. It's funny that I get identified with vanilla, you know, I mean. It's a very high allergy season this year, yeah, because of the drought. I mean, I know a lot of people that didn't have allergies that have hay fever, yeah. It could be, but I think it, there's a way in which I notice there's a growing number of people that are getting allergic to scent, and I think it's like canaries in the well. It's an environmental, it's just part of the breakdown of our environmental problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's do the best we can to have that spirit of um, consideration. Have a good day. Whenever you feel like your attention feels scattered or disturbed during the sitting, remembering to very lightly synchronize your attention with whatever you're using as your primary anchor. Resting the mind, relaxing the mind, tranquilizing the mind, by synchronizing the attention with the movement of the breath or listening to sounds appearing and disappearing.
Just taking one breath at a time, one sound at a time, and noticing how it begins, how it changes, how it ends. Very lightly, Also, at times during the sitting, you'll find that the attention is less distracted, more quiet and still. And out of that stillness can come the ability to explore your moment-to-moment experience. At those times, it's more helpful to let go of control, letting go of the anchor. And for as long as you can, just exploring what's happening, whether it's sounds, body sensations, emotions, moods, or the breath, whatever is predominant in your experience. And during these times, seeing if you can have that ability to explore your life, what we call life, moment by moment, with the intention to understand rather than to judge. Whatever is happening, no matter what it is, is worthy of our attention because it's happening, it's the truth. Nothing's outside of the practice of mindfulness. And if you find that there is no interest in what's happening, remembering that that's okay, just backing off, and let the attention settle in again with whatever you're using for the primary anchor. Again, relaxing, building up the energy, the strength, so that you can open again at some point to your moment-to-moment experience.
And just continue to work with that idea of seeing if you can recognize what it is that's happening. And then, even if you can't recognize it, allowing it, accepting what's happening. Giving it as much space as you can. and then not taking it personally. And if you let things be, whatever they are, everything has a life of its own, like the sound or the breath. And you don't have to let anything go. It'll just arise and pass on its own, just as it is. Basically, what we're, um, you can't control anything. Uh, but if there is uh, some concentration, then we're trying to get a balance of concentration and mindfulness in Vipassana. It's the balance of concentration and mindfulness that allows us to explore and to see clearly. But you can't be mindful without some concentration. Uh, Concentration is allows it's what allows us to bring the attention somewhere, <clears throat> aim it, connect it with something, uh, and that's that isn't knowing what's happening yet. Concentration is just like you know the description Upandita gave of putting a fork in a potato. Uh, there's not there's not mindfulness in that. There's no knowing what's happening. You're just uh, aiming the attention for something and connecting it. And then concentration is still being able to sustain that. Uh, and then mindfulness is bringing in the ability to explore what, what it is that's happening, to, to look at it and say, well, what is that? It's remembering to do that. There's no end to the depth of this, so that you can, you'll notice that there are times where the concentration is light and the mindfulness will be light. And then you'll feel like you kind of, when you feel concentration kind of shift, you'll feel like you're kind of downshifting a car. You'll feel a, a definitely a shift in, in the awareness. Uh, and then the mindfulness can also go to a deeper level then. 
so it's not that you wouldn't want the concentration to deepen and deepen, but the mindfulness in vipassana uh, would keep balancing that, so you wouldn't get absorbed into that concentration. Again, you get you'd bring in that attention that looks, that knows. Yeah. So I think there'll be times where, I mean, for years and years and years, I didn't know the difference between concentration and mindfulness. So it's not like you have to uh, know all this. It'll just happen. Uh, but there'll be, a, there'll be times where you'll feel very deeply concentrated, and it won't be that mindful. And that's okay. You can't, you can't make that happen, but you can see if you're getting absorbed into things. You know, for years I would get absorbed into things and I wouldn't know that I wasn't being mindful until Upandita started screaming at me for doing it. And I realized that that wasn't exactly what he was aiming for. Uh, but I didn't understand for a long time what, what that balance... Um, I couldn't have described it like this. But I knew when it happened. You know, you'll know... You'll know when there's that balance because you'll feel like you just came home. <laughs> you'll feel there. You'll feel you'll feel here very deeply. And and what what I mean by exploration is that there's no there really is no end to the depth of that. And that's what's so you know, life is this mysterious, precious, amazing uh, <laughs> occurrence that happens moment after moment. Mindfulness and concentration is what gives us that ability to explore it. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. So, what's the role of um, mindfulness in doing the metta practice? The question is, what's the role of the mindfulness in the metta practice? You're bringing, you're being mindful of metta. Like metta is a concentration practice, so in vipassana you're taking the concentration, and you're being you're taking that uh, ability to concentrate and applying the mindfulness to your the flow of your moment to moment experience. In metta practice, you're taking that ability to concentrate, and you're taking the ability to understand. Like you understand the phrases. That, that's why, you know, when the guiding meditation, I'll say, see if you can really bring any understanding to the phrases because you're becoming mindful of metta. Uh, and you're just continually bringing that mindfulness into the metta. That's the difference. Sharpen up some terminology on aversion. I'm using that term, and we seem to be using that term to cover a lot of things. Let me give you an example. Like, say a sound arises, it's unpleasant, you don't notice that feeling tone, you don't want it, you don't want to hear that, you're in your own stuff. So, that not wanting, that's the aversion, correct? Mm-hmm. It's the not wanting. Subsequently, let's say it keeps going on, maybe the body will be a reflection of that in the body. An unpleasant feeling on its own. That's a whole. We wouldn't call that the aversion. I mean, we could by extension. 
feeling in the body, say in the chest or abdomen, stomach, or that tightness there. Um, that's a, that's a whole other subject. I mean, that's a whole other thing arising to relate to that. Mm -hmm. So could you maybe shut that up? I mean, what's mm -hmm. the aversion is the not one. Right. And what follows after that is a lot more aversion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Does everyone hear? No, okay. Um, the question is around um, sharpening up the terminology around aversion and uh, say that there's a sound and it's, there's an unpleasant feeling with it. The aversion is that next moment where we're not mindful of that unpleasant feeling, there'll, there'll be the not wanting it. That's the aversion. But then he's saying, well, in the next moment there might be tightness in the chest, and then is that aversion? Uh, but that, what, what you have to remember is that it's this, you know, life is moving very fast. It's moving like a freight train. It's very fast. So um, when we react with aversion, it's like we're out of the flow already. And then you might, if you're not able to, open to that aversion, uh, then we, we, we're, we, we bounce off that much more. Um, what we're usually not aware of, and this took me years, it seemed, to figure out, uh, was the place of having aversion to the aversion. And that, that's mostly where you'll work. You know, it's like when I use the metaphor of melting a glacier, like I felt like an iceberg when I started sitting. Uh, what melts the ice of the ego is being able to be okay that the aversion happens and then seeing if you can be with that experience because it happens so quickly. And if you think that, if you have a sense that you've been running from something in your life, what we're running from is that aversion. The aversion is really painful. You know, that the Buddha taught that the suffering isn't the pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, it's that not wanting the unpleasant that's painful. And then when that happens, it's very difficult for us to go, oh, aversion, my good friend. You know, great. I've always wanted to experience aversion. I mean, that's not usually what our attitude is. You know, that it's usually, oh no, not aversion again. Yuck. You know, I don't want to feel that. I thought I just felt that two seconds ago. Which you did. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it comes again. Um, and so if you follow that flow of your question, there's that aversion with the sound, and then maybe there's tightness in the chest, and maybe that's unpleasant, and then there'd be the not wanting the tightness. Here's where the terminology breaks down. So we have aversion to the aversion. Mm -hmm. That's really not quite right. We have uh -huh. aversion to the subsequent bodily reflection of that not wanting. That's the time. Maybe. That's really not the aversion. Although I keep calling it a version, mm -hmm. but it's not. That, it's an unpleasant feeling in the body. It's a whole, it's the next, next thing. It could be an unpleasant feeling in the mind, though. I mean, it's, re, yeah. it's, that's, aversion is a mental feeling. And it gets reflected physically. You know, that, it's very quick again. So what you're noticing is tightness. And then there's an unpleasant feeling with the tightness. But it's also, it's easier to notice the physical sensations with aversion than the mental feeling. And so it is really good to notice that tightness. That gives you a, ch a chance. <laughs> it 
gives you a chance to uh, explore it. You know, because basically the attitude can change from, oh no, aversion, to, oh, this is a really fundamental human experience. Uh, let me see if I can experience it. And it's just like experiencing a flower uh, or experience a breath. You can really experience aversion just like you would experience um, something pleasant. It, it's, it's just the relationship to it. But I used to think that if I opened to aversion, that would make it pleasant. And, you know, I thought, you know, that <laughs> that was my bargain. Okay, I'll, I'll open to this, but it should change to something fun. You know, it, aversion isn't fun. It's not something... Um, it's, what's fun is that something that is very hard to experience, you get to experience, and then there's a relief, you know, that, that there's freedom. Freedom isn't... Freedom and peace isn't necessarily pleasant, uh, but you f- the f- feeling of not having to run anymore and, and having the power and the strength to feel something like that and let it go, there's nothing like it. So just keep exploring, because aversion usually takes the form of something mental and physical. It's, it's like an emotion. They're, they're, uh, it's like if you saw a cloud go across the sky. D- try not to limit it. Or to think that you know. If you think you know what aversion is, it kills it. And you'll never experience it. Mm-hmm. Well, last night when you were describing the jackhammer, jackhammer uh-huh. <laughs> uh, all day, I mean, what were you noting? What were you watching? Were you, were you okay with it? Or were you uh, aversive towards that sound all day? And then finally just... Mm-mm. I think that what I experienced was a lot of equanimity, which was rare, you know, in my years of practice around sound. Um, But I found, I find that sound tends to be something that I learn what freedom is. uh, Because at first, of course, when they showed up, it was like not even a little aversion. My mind just screamed, you know, like, oh no, not that. You know, I can't stand it. And then slowly I was able to let that aversion come and go. I didn't try to be with the sound. I just noticed the aversion in the body, noticed the, uh, and then went back to the breath. A lot of times I move away from the aversion and, and keep moving away from the sound, move away from the aversion until I feel like I can open to it. And then there's a certain point where you'll get called to it, but just leave it. Call to it, just leave it. And there's a certain point where I know that I can just bring my attention as close to that sound as I can and really see that it's just disappearing particles. It's just this stuff. What is it? And that's when you're free. That's when you can just let it be. And and then there's a whole flow during the day of moving away from it. That's why I'm describing. Use your concentration to to rest, to to not go to things. And then when you feel like you can, go to things. It's, It's like a flow, a rhythm. And then there was a certain point where nothing worked. You know, (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that example of the tightness in the chest as um, physical manifestation of a feeling, a a mental feeling. I was wondering this actually yesterday when uh, Joseph was talking about a physical emotion. 
Is it necessary to label an emotion, or can we just go with the physical sensation of the emotion? You don't have to label it. Um, I think what's important, of course, with anything, you don't have to label anything if you're really experiencing it. Sometimes it's very helpful to note fear. Fear. It can be a very light whisper or anger or loneliness. Sometimes you won't know. There are many emotions that come up and you really don't know what they are and then you can't label it. Uh, Labeling, again, is a tool to help you really experience it. So you don't have to if you're there experiencing it. That's great. And in fact, there are many times where you'll start crying or you'll be sad and you won't have a clue why. And there's a lot of deep old stuff from other lifetimes that surfaces physical pains or emotion. There's stuff that comes and goes that you can't figure out because they're not even from this lifetime. They're deep, deep. This is a very powerful purification. It goes much deeper than we we know, and it, 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 it's important not to try to analyze or figure it out, because you can't. <laughs> you sound great. It's like the whole group has dropped again into a deeper level. Enjoy. <laughs>